0: I've had a lot of students that come through our school and very similar kind of background. Like, oh, I did a little Muay Thai here, I did some BJJ over here, and then when they start training in the traditional Kung Fu systems or wh- whatever we're teaching at the time, uh, you know, typically like I said, it's just all the Kung Fu really, they feel different. They're like, wow, this is this is unique. Why why does it look like it's not going to work? But how come I feel even more tired? I said because you're working muscles and you're working positions and you're putting your body into augmented states of uh, existence, if you will, that you've never done before.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Conversations from the Heart. Today, we are joined by Seafood Jacob Ehrenstein from Spring Martial Arts out in Spring, Texas. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Welcome to the show, sir.
2: We're very honored to have you on and to get to know you better. Um, For some of our students, actually, for many of our students, we probably don't know who you are. So we'd like to learn a little bit about how you get started in the martial arts and how you became a martial arts instructor. Um,
0: How did that begin? Definitely. Um, uh, I started in martial arts back in 1995, Uh, very similar to a lot of the students who I've seen come through our doors. I was bullied as a kid. Um, Many, many similar stories throughout the world of instructors and martial artists being bullied. But um, no, I had no training prior to that. Um, Third grade. Getting bullied by five, six people, and and my mom and my dad at the time they were separated, but they both came together. And they they had my brother and I in, enrolled in martial arts, and from there it just took off. The confidence increased, uh, self esteem, a lot of stuff just started going up from that point. And over the course of the years, I started doing a lot of assistant instruction. Uh, Probably really got into that when I was about 14, getting ready for my, uh, or just after my junior black belt, going into high high school at the time. And then that's when I knew that I wanted to run my school eventually, my own school. A little bit down the line, I got to work for the YMCA a little bit, teaching martial arts for a summer program. Uh, And uh, from there, branched out to a couple other schools, a couple other dojos, continued my training in martial arts through various systems. Received rank and uh, just I just kept it going from that point. And now uh, I took over from my instructor, Chuck Creshen, uh when he retired back in 2019. And I, and as well as my brother and one of our friends, Tim, uh, we co owned the school over at Spring Martial Arts. Nice. Oh,
3: that's
2: awesome. So, what um, martial, artists, martial art did you start at?
0: I started in Northern Shaolin, Northern Pringman Kung Fu. And from that point, started going into Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Wing Chun, Hopkido, Keto, kickboxing, American and Muay Thai. I trained a little bit of both of those. Uh, and uh, also Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And at this point, that's what we're teaching over at Spring is the, the Kung Fu system, the Shaolin Kung Fu, Wing Chun, and BJJ. So it's a good, it's a good combination. Yes, and prior, prior to a uh, conversation with, with my guys and we set it up that way, uh, there was only one other school that I'd ever been to that had multiple martial arts disciplines involved at the same school under the same roof. Right. Uh, it was Crosswinds Martial Arts when they were around. And they had Taekwondo, uh, Shenzhen Jiu-Jitsu, which is the Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Wing Chun Kali system under Sico Ramon Diaz. And then when Crosswind shut down due to uh, financial situation, unfortunately, we opened up a new school called Moochak Martial Arts. It was run by Grandmaster Young uh, Mi Park. And uh, we taught Taekwondo and uh, Shin Shin Jiu Jitsu and Hapkido over there. So that was, that was really fun. Oh, and Cross Twins, that's where I started my Hapkido journey as well, to mention that. But uh, that's, that's how the multiple systems came into, came into fruition for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I almost think it's a necessity at this point and most schools are, are doing that because, you know, you gotta fill in your game and, and understand all the aspects. And definitely. Back in the old, old days, old ways of thinking, it was like more isolationist training. And so you'd have a master who, he discovered a, a couple of certain truths, you know, like in Taekwondo, it's like pivot and extension. And they would build the entire discipline around those central truths. I think in these this age, which is kind of cool, is we're kind of like realizing that those truths kind of extend beyond that singular discipline and they're very important in the martial arts as a whole and we
0: need to kind of fill in our game and learn everything that's uh important for self-defense definitely And, and to your point on that i think a lot of social media and just overall the development of the camera system has a big part to play in that simply because there's nothing really hidden anymore there's there's no reason why somebody should say, oh, my martial art is the best. You should only study for me because there's always somebody better. And they're going to walk into your door one day and you're not going to have a good day. <laughs> so it's just the nature of the beast. But I, I really like the openness with who I associate with and who we train with because I encourage all of my students just as well as I was encouraged, go cross train. Yeah. Find an instructor that you like. Go learn from them. Learn as much as you possibly can. And come back and show us.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I do the same thing. That's, that's why I'm at where I'm at, because I cross-trained. I took my life. I dedicated it to martial arts, and now I get to pass it off to other students, future students, you know, folks that come in from all walks of life, be it uh, a child who is being bullied, be it a young woman who wants to build up her confidence, be it a man who wants to uh, become more flexible and become more energetic and just overall get back to what they used to feel like when they were in their 20s. You now, mm. you know, same thing. It's, it, we have all walks of life. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor or you're a CEO. You come through my doors, you're a martial artist. You know? We're all equal on that.
3: Absolutely. Yes, sir.
2: Um... So, you know, it sounds like you've been doing martial arts a very long time. Like,
0: how, how many years have you been in the martial arts? Oh, gosh. Okay, so 95, it makes it, what, I think, 26 years? All right. Long time. Something like that. About 26 years.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so over that time, you must have had some ups and downs. And, I mean, everyone has Definitely. their struggles. Uh, okay. what, what kind of advice would you give to martial artists who... Um, either are just starting out, and how, how to kind of light that passion, or martial artists who are a little bit more veteran who may be kind of going through a slump in their training and need some um, motivation.
0: What kind of advice would you give to those martial artists, for, for the kids, it's it's kind of like the new car smell. Once it wears off, you'll know whether or not you really want to stay with it or yeah. if you wanna trade, trade it in for something else. And the passion of it is, is if you really wanna to continue to learn, the more you can have fun doing it, the longer the kid will stay.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: if they're just wanting to be in a slump, if they're, being de- if they're depressed or what have you, the open communication professionally between an instructor and a student has to be there. Yeah, if there is yeah. no compassion if there is no open communication or uh, open door policy is what I, I have where parents and students can come talk to me uh, together privately whatever they need in order to get something off their chest I think that's really one of the things that motivates kids to keep coming back because they have someone outside of the home that's like a parental figure that they can trust mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of excellent instructors out there that have that very same policy they work a little bit different and you know we try to make sure that we can help them grow that that's the goal and as far as adults you know, when they're hitting that slump you only get out what you put in martial arts will give you exactly what you put into it and if you're going through a depression if you're going through you know financial difficulties if you're going through uh, physical difficulties uh, like for example me I, uh, I broke my knee back in 2015 uh, was, uh, I got thrown in judo and my foot got stuck and my knee went twist and pop uh, it was the third major accident to my knee but it tore my ACL and it ripped my MCL off of my, uh, my shin so I had to major surgery to fix it. it took me 18 months on recovery but Even though I was in a brace and walking around with a cane and couldn't bend over or anything, I was still at the school. I wasn't doing anything physical, but I was still teaching. My knowledge doesn't fade just because my physical ability is not there. Mm -hmm. And and that's something I think adults need to realize. Uh, Your knowledge isn't going to fade. And like I said, if you're going through a slump, the best thing you can do, go train. Go punch a bag, go do forms, go do something that's not necessarily easy, but by the end of the day, you stop thinking about all the other problems. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out and you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Get that can, get that yeah. euphoria. If I can hop in
1: there. So I wanted to backpedal just a little bit. You were talking about um, you know, growing up and, and cross-training at these different schools. I was curious, was all of that happening here in Texas? Or were you, you know, at different regions?
0: No, they were here, they were all here in Texas. Okay. Um, my instructors, uh, Mike Williams, Steve Johnson, Chuck Crescent, the, 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 that's, that's who I consider my holy trinity of instructors. Okay. Um, they, Chuck, Mike, Steve, they're all friends with each other. Uh, Larry, Professor Larry Brooks, he's also a friend of my instructors. Uh, most of these guys are former military or security and they do a lot of different things and they, they all came about and, and grew up together. Um, I remember Professor Brooks and my instructor Chuck Christian used to train over at Wong's Martial Arts, uh, with the Kung Fu system and Larry came in and they just became best of friends, you know, and yes, started cross training. Larry is one of Chuck's instructors. Larry's one of my instructors, Chuck's my instructor, Steve and Mike. It, it's a big, uh, it's a, it's a big mesh of sir. just, I don't know, 80, 100, 200 years worth of knowledge all wrapped up. Mm. So it's 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 fun and uh, yeah, all the schools were local. They were here in in Spring and then Tomball and the and the uh, Klein area. So it's all very local for me. Uh, we were also part of a, a group called PCMA, Professional Combined Martial Arts. It's a, it was an organization that branched off from the uh, Yama Budokai, the MYB. And what we did was every year we would go to like. Alabama or come out here to Texas or go to New Mexico or Georgia and we would have just this huge seminar we would have 50 60 schools out there Mm -hmm. all different arts just to cross train I mean it it really had nothing to do with ranking it was just hey this is what's out here look (laughs) learn something new Mm -hmm. take what you can learn take something new bring it back and see how it can help you improve what you're already doing that's and cool. we did that for we did that for a number of years. and then you know, again, things just go sideways because of life and people aren't able to do the seminars anymore, which is understandable. But that knowledge and that, that ideal doesn't change. Yeah. So we've got seminars being conducted. Actually, I have a seminar coming up uh, in July. Uh, On the 16th, we're doing a BJJ seminar with uh, one of my instructors, uh, Larry Brooks, and and another guy that we know, and he trains with me sometimes, he's one of our instructors, um, head of the system for uh, Jose Gomez, or Ivan Gomez, Ivan Gomez Jiu-Jitsu, excuse me, he's coming down from Spain, so he's going to come out here, and we're going to do BJJ for four and a half hours, or four hours on Saturday, and two hours on Sunday, so it's going to be fun.
1: So following up there, you know, you were talking about the master instructors you were training with and how they all came together and became friends through this. And through that friendship, you know, you get this 80 or 100 years of experience kind of combined into one. I was curious, the reason I asked about, you know, was it all local? I'm sure there are friends that you made along the way. And I'm curious about, you know, we talk to our students a lot about, you know, do you know that person's name that you're training with, <laughs> right? Like who was across? Exactly, exactly. And trying to build up that community and that friendship, because if your friend is coming to train and you're not there, they're going to say, hey, what's going on? You know, where were you on Tuesday or where were you on uh, Friday? Mm-hmm. So exactly about, you know, friends that you've made along the way. And if you have anything to say about that friendship in uh, the martial arts
0: journey as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of friends that I've grown up with, they've moved on. They'll some of them are in different states. A couple of my students are in the Marines right now and they'll call me on occasion. They live out in Virginia. A few of our former black belts, they live out in Austin and I'll give them a shout, or they'll just call me on occasion, or I'll call my instructors and we just we just talk. And if I set something up a few years ago, I went to Virginia for a seminar. And uh, it was about, a, I would say, about three, four months of preparation just to make sure we knew what we were going to cover and uh, getting, the, uh, getting the travel plans made and getting out there for, you know, a couple of days. I stayed out there for about a week. And it was nice. And, and when we get out there, the, the students that were out there learning from, from my guys, they're like, oh, it's you. We you know so much about you. You don't look like you're, you think. <laughs> you look different than what what what's been expressed my short <laughs> you know bald headed white guy just short going to virginia you don't know to wrestle with people <laughs> but yeah. yeah that that camaraderie and, and and that that type of a friendship is excellent and it needs to be maintained you know if, if you lose touch with somebody i can understand that but when you pick up that phone and you talk to that person if you're really friends with them, your conversation will pick up right where it left off.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the stuff you're describing with your your masters and stuff, being all really close, reminds me a lot of when I lived in Wisconsin and we had a martial arts fraternity with a lot of masters in the area. And all we get together, we share ideas. But it also, when Jesse started talking, it reminded me of something we try to tell our students about. You know, it's so important making friendships on the mat because that's gonna bring you back to the mat you know everyone's going to f- hit a wall at some point and they might not want to go but if their friends are there they're going to go to see their friends and that's gonna gonna gonna
0: going to have accountability you're going to have motivation and you're going to have people there that are reliable that are going to push you beyond uh, anything that you think you can do i i remember very clearly like
2: when I was a kid, I had certain people in the dojon who were my, like, fierce rivals, you know, like Angelina. Yeah. Air, and, <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, we good. were always going back
2: and forth, and they really pushed me to be the best that I could be. Unfortunately, there can only be one, and uh, they're no longer training, but they'll live on in my memory as somebody who, who made me
0: stronger and built me to be the person I am today. Some uh, of my best friends are the same. Yeah. Absolutely. I love you look. You, I remember you look into the uh, dojo when you walk in and you see that one brown belt or black belt that's doing all the high fly kicks and back flips and all kinds of and like, I want to be that guy. And yeah. you know, getting, to, getting to see that every day, I was like, I want to be like that guy. And now that guy's retired and has kids and everything and doesn't train and can't do the splits past 90 degrees anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like life, man. I'm like, I get it. I get it. And then the friends I grew up with all throughout high school, middle school, high school. One of them, one of them is a, a, a white hat. One of them is a, a HPD officer. My brother, for example, he runs his own IT company. I work on a pipeline company. It's so many different branches that go. And yet the martial arts is what brought us together.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, that's awesome. So you've been teaching a long time, I assume as well. And um, what, what advice would you give to a new instructor just starting out? I and mean, there's a lot of things you can do right. And there's a lot of things you can do wrong as a teacher. Um, and it's also kind of as much of it is a science. It's
0: a, very much an art. So what's some recommendations? Understand. The biggest one is understand that you don't know everything and acknowledge that early. Yeah. You are not going to have an answer for every single question a student's going to throw at you. So you need to be able to refer up. Mm. You need to be able to refer to your instructor. Say, you know what? I don't know this. I don't know how to answer that question. Let me go ask and I'll follow up with you. That and slow down. Mm -hmm. Don't don't teach so much so fast. Mm -hmm. Because all of it's going to get jumbled up and mixed up. I I tell my assistant instructors or brown belts that are up and coming. And I'm showing them and teaching them how to teach and how to instruct. I said we have a we have a basic form. It's like 20 movements, but we always start off with small numbers, like one, two, one, two, one, two. I said, don't teach past two, maybe maybe three movements at at once. And he said, why? I said because they're not going to remember it. Said mm. it's too much. It's too fast. It's not going to happen. Guarantee you, it's not going to happen. And yeah, no. They start learning it, and they start realizing, "Oh my gosh, you're, you're kind of right." I'm like, "Yeah, can have been where you're at." It's, it's a trial by error and learning from my instructors is the same.
3: Yeah,
2: definitely breaking
0: things down is super important.
2: But also, and, and maybe you're alluding to this as well. Uh, one common mistake I find with young martial art instructors is they get really excited to teach, and they have a lot of stuff to teach. But for the first time ever, people say, "Hey, let's follow us on them." Hey, teach. And then they try to teach everything they know like in one class, you know what I mean? Yep. And they got the white belt, Chinese sure. seven twenty spinning cross like on day one. You are like, dude, like this
0: is not like you have to layer it. You know, he's not at that point yet. Um, and, and and to that to your point on that is teaching someone at their level, their ability. Yeah. You could have you could have two brand new beginner white belts that come in that have never trained in their life but one has a more natural athletic ability than the other, yes, that person with natural athletic ability might be able to pick up a movement quicker. Doesn't mean they know it. Uh You have to teach them at the same, but you have to teach them for a way that each individual student understands. How to relate the material is super, super important. I've got friends of mine who are avid hunters. I teach them how to kick, same as you would shoot a firearm. Same as you would draw a bow. And they're like, oh, wow, it works. Like, here's my rear sight. Here's my front sight. There's the target. Same thing. I I taught one of my best friends uh, when I was working with him on on, uh, kickboxing and Wing Chun. It's like, this is how you shoot pool. This is how you do martial arts.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's the the geometry of it. and, And it's very, very cool. Yeah. And I try to do that each for each and individual person how to relate it yeah yeah, sir. that's awesome and like with like with the jiu-jitsu we, we make jokes about it but it's you know uh violent hugging uh folding clothes with people <laughs> still in them involuntary yoga <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. but it makes it fun and that's the point because then now they're they're more engaged
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah um so how long have you been
0: running your school? Since 2019 with my group, but we, have five years prior, we were pretty much doing all the instruction, setting up all the classes overseen by our head instructor, owner, founder, Chuck Creation. Because over those last five years, he was getting ready to retire and he was trying to pass the torch and wanted to know if we wanted to do it. And we said, yes. So we started picking up the classes. He started showing us like, how the finances are working, how the roster's working, how to run the school, essentially, over the course of five years. And he just basically sat back. He would, he would jump into the classes as we were teaching, and he would just do his workouts with us, uh, chime in when necessary for instruction. Um, but apart from that, I'd say the five years was a kind of like a prereq, if you will, of taking it over fully once he retired i mean he, he's living out in sergeant texas out there by the beach so it's it's good living <laughs> nice. uh, the reason why i ask
2: is because um you know i wanted a little ask you about entrepreneurship and starting a business and running a business and whatnot and we were just talking in the last co-
0: uh, podcast about david Kovar. i don't know if you know who he is I know the name, but I don't believe I've ever met him personally.
2: You would really like him. He has a really great approach to business and teaching. You know, He says, uh, martial artist first, a teacher second, and businessman third. And that's kind of how we view things as well. But of course, you have to be a businessman if you're going to be successful in this business. Go and um, so what is some advice you have for a new entrepreneur, a new businessman, Uh Just getting started in the martial arts instruction
3: business.
0: Don't lower your standards for anyone. That's the first thing. The way you came up as a martial artist, the way your instructor instilled his knowledge on you, and the bars that he set or she set for you, keep them, and apply that to your business model. For example, we'll tell new parents or new students coming in that they've never had martial arts training uh, that. The common question How long until I become a black belt? How long till I make the black belt? I can give you a time frame, sure, on average five years, on average six years. But my follow up response is it really comes down to how much you work, how much you want it. Everyone learns at their own pace. You've got person here, person A starting here, person B starting here. Their journey might go this way, but then they start intertwining like this for their knowledge and their skill set. And eventually they get to that top but it's how and why they want it, which would make them unique. But the standards never lower. That bar never lowers. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing I would say. Second thing is make sure you have open communication with uh, your subjects and your parents and your students and run the business model that way as well. If you don't have that open communication, you don't have the open door policy, people tend to shy away from things. Be amiable, be amiable, be personable, You know, try to introduce yourself to as many new folks coming in the door as possible. Sit down, have a conversation with them. Don't be standoffish. Don't just run the school. And if you're the only instructor on the floor, you do what you got to do. But if you have other instructors that are assisting and somebody new comes in and wants to get information, if you have the opportunity, go talk to them. Mm -hmm or at least give them some time for and say, hey, look, I'm, we're, we're finishing up here. You can hang out for about 30 minutes or so. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Real simple, some, just something that will directly acknowledge that person's presence. So yeah. that way they're not they're not feeling like a number.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So.
2: What, the, um, what are some of the practices, like your most successful business practices, do you think? Like what are some of the strategies that you've used to develop your business?
0: Honestly, social media has worked a lot. Yeah. Nice. The social media, online social media presence, when I really started getting into it as far as like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and, and set it up as the business profile page. And it, it might be just something as simple as a picture or a flyer coming up or, you know, highlights to some of the classes that we're teaching or and I have some of my students, they've asked if they could help. And I said, oh yeah, definitely record them and then send me the recordings and take the pictures, send me the pictures so I can do all the editing. and put it on social media and that's drawn a lot of attention i I had a parent come in a few months ago they said you know i you know i feel like i've known you forever i've been watching your stuff online and i want my kid to join i'm like well let's do it it's a lot different than the hollywood movies that you see but let's do it (laughs) so i'm curious that's probably one of the biggest things yeah that's awesome you mentioned so you mentioned tiktok
1: and tiktok is something that we have bounced around and you know i've like dabbled into it and it's it can be really overwhelming what yes what kind of um engagement are you getting on there like you know are you putting up videos explaining things because you know there's just so many genres of TikTok video
0: majority of the videos that i have i put up are picture highlights of our classes hmm. i don't know if you have an opportunity or had an opportunity to look up spring martial arts on TikTok but you'll see a variety of things. There's a lot of jujitsu stuff. There's a lot of kung fu stuff. There's some things that are explaining what's going on in the class. And I, I try to keep the videos to one minute. I mean, just, if you think about it this way, when you send a resume, you have 10 to maybe 15 seconds to catch someone's attention on the first two lines. If they see a resume and they're having to flip through three, four pages, typically that resume gets put to the side until the last resort. Because they don't want to sit there and dabble in something that they've never seen before. You get about 10 to 15 seconds, so I try to keep the videos about 20 minutes, 20 seconds to a minute, Mm -hmm. unless I'm doing an explanation. There, I get some comments, I get some likes and stuff like that, but I have that transferred to my Instagram page, so that way I can put in the hashtags and 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 start building that martial arts presence from Instagram, and from there it converts to my. Facebook business page typically. So it's hitting from one platform to the next, to the next in in sequential order. So if you're not on one, but you're on this one, you'll still see it if you check the business page out. And my business pages are all public. Hmm. So you you look up our name, you'll find it. And so you never know who's going to see on what page and who's going to see on what page. And then they might know some friends that go, hey, check this out. You know, this is in your area. This is local. That as well as my Google business page. Mm, that's something that... I, have a, I have a Gmail account for our, our, for our school, uh, springmartialarts at gmail.com. I've got 24 hour access to it. But with that email, I set up a Google business page. I set up the page where I can go read the reviews. I can respond to the reviews. I can add pictures. I can uh, change class schedules. And mm. it's, it's great how it works. I mean, I'm on the first page in the spring area, martial arts in your area, Spring, Texas. You know, it's, it's great. So it, it helps. It really helps because it, it, it shows people, hey, this school is right around the corner from me. Or, hey, they've been around for 30 years. Uh, this, this seems pretty legit. They're still open after the pandemic. Let's go check them out.
3: Mm.
2: Are you getting a lot of your leads just like up on your website from that Internet traffic? Or
0: are you do. getting, doing we a do. lot of like, outreach? Uh, le- like the last month, I've had 10,000 people view our page Ooh. It's on nice. the Google business page.
3: That's crazy. Now some of them,
0: now some of them are duplicates, but we've had ten thousand people view the business page, so that's that's good, and they're all local within a fifteen to twenty mile an hour radius, or twenty mile radius, twenty mile per hour, wow, twenty hilarious. mile radius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go.
3: That's great. 15, fifteen
0: to twenty mile radius um, typically is where where I'm getting the traffic from. Yeah, that's,
3: that's
0: great. great. That's great. That's
2: great. Um.
0: So, I'm sure we can talk
2: more and more about that. But um, one thing that I like to do as a martial artist is read books and watch videos. It's something that I started doing a long time ago and something I realized very few martial artists do. Now, these days, everyone watches videos and they you know, you get the, you know, not to be condescending, but you get those YouTube uh, warriors and stuff. The, the YouTube yeah. black belts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I our martial arts from YouTube. But I, I will, will say... <laughs> I will say that, uh, like, early on, I started reading books about the history of the martial arts and stuff like that. And that was really cool because very few people knew much about, like, a lot of martial artists who were very, very talented that I knew in my life knew very little about the martial arts. They just knew how to kick and punch, but they didn't really know how they all fit together and hadn't read a lot of philosophy books and things like that. And I just, I just ate that up. And I think it's something important for martial artists to do. I try to pass that down to my students as well um what are some of your favorite martial
0: art books uh, or or videos i have a library so okay so to preface this i have a library at, at my school it's in my office and i have two shelves the top shelf has martial arts books as far as systems and styles of martial arts that have weapons forms and empty hand forms and goes over history i've got you know, four or five books on Wing Chun, I've got ninjutsu, Japanese jujitsu, I've got pretty much everything. And the one thing I'm missing is the Taekwondo encyclopedia that happens to be about two and a half inches thick with everything in it. You know, that's the one thing that I'm missing. I found it at uh, Barnes and Noble a couple of years back and went the next, literally like the next day when I got the cash to go buy it, it was gone. I'm like, no! (laughs) So, but I, I have a book, I have a shelf on that. Uh, the bottom shelf is a lot of philosophy, a lot of uh, meditation, a lot of history of martial arts. Like one of one of my favorite books, and actually my girlfriend is reading it right now, is called "When Buddhist Attack. And it talks mm-hmm. about the virtues of a martial artist. It talks about integrity. It talks about how to break down and defeat that. Anger when that is welling up inside of you and, and you have nothing left except to let it out and how to channel it, how to have a, a, a camaraderie with people. I mean, it covers a lot of different things. Um, one of, the, one of the, my favorite books is from Daniel Reed, actually, is Qigong, um, Internal Martial Arts, and it's, it's great. It talks about meditation, it references the uh, Chan dynasty, it references the bone marrow cleansing, it has movements, uh, still meditation and movement meditation, just very, very basic. And it gives you a good understanding of the internal martial arts. Yeah. Uh, one from uh, my godfather, Herb Mayer, my first Wing Chun instructor, uh, he sent me a book, uh, it's called, said, in the martial arts. in The Martial Arts is a book written by one of Bruce Lee's students. Yeah. And it talks about his life coming up and his training with Bruce Lee and how he developed his own sense of personal self and and developed his character. And to that, I believe that's probably the most important thing about any martial artist, instructor or not, is good character. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I want to build in somebody is good character. If you want to go – not to be offensive or anything, but it's going to be... You want to go be a meathead and just go fight? I've got places I can refer you to. That That's what my friends do. That's what they own. Those are the gyms that they run because they go compete in UFC. They go do Pan Ams. They do a lot of stuff that requires a lot of fighting. That's what you don't want to do? Great. But if you're not building up your character, you're just going to be a... a for better terminology, a, a, a douchebag. <laughs> so, and you don't want to be that in life because... It's going to reflect on everything you do Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you want to have good character you want to have a good personality someone that is very open that you can you can approach very easily yes and then you want to have that dangerous side about you because you're training but it's controlled Mm -hmm. i think that's what that's, that's where you become the the black belt if you will in the martial arts is because yeah you have the basic understanding but you have the mental capacity to control it. So you're able to progress in life. Yeah. Like our black belts, yes, the, the phrase is you don't earn it, you become it. But if they can have excellent techniques, excellent forms, but their attitude isn't right, they don't even get an invitation to the test. Mm-hmm. No, I agree and, it's, and it's a three month, it's, it's a minimum of a three month preparation just to get to the test.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's a increasing problem in the martial arts world. Uh, people who are, tr- are, are learning the skills devoid of the um, warrior ethos that makes yeah. the martial arts so beneficial to humanity. And it's actually making a lot of bullies in our society who are going around and using their physicality as sort of a weapon to like, kind of push people around and threaten right. people. And... Um, especially since the whole MMA revolution, that's really changed the dynamic. You know, you used to have to put on, put on the funny pajamas and say, yes, sir, and bow, and you couldn't learn martial arts without
0: that. And now you can. Um, yeah, the, re- the, respect, the respect on certain areas is not there. I'll definitely agree with you on that. And again, that comes down to the instructor and how they run their gym. You could have an MMA school, Guarantee you, you go to Bass Rutten School or, or George St. Pierre School, they're going to have you saying, yes, sir, because that's how they were raised. Mm-hmm. You go to somebody who's new, up and coming. I don't, I don't really have any names off the top of my head because I'm not trying to call people out, but there are people that don't have the yes, sir, no, sir. They're very, very casual about things. They're like, oh, hey, what's up? And all right, let's go.
2: I've been training. It's
0: not the same dynamic.
2: Yeah. I've been training in fight gyms since I was just like, you know, like a teenager and Uh, i have to say that it's very very uncommon for an actual fight gym to say yes sir Mm. um i I, i've never been to one like that and i've been to a lot of them um mostly and and, a lot of times you got gang members in there people rolling in halfway through the class just grabbing people and and rolling with them now now some of these are a little more extreme circumstances i'm not saying that every fight gym is like that but definitely a much more casual air to how this works you know, um, and I think they're missing out on the real reason to study the martial arts, because like you said, um, it's those mental gains. You know, you're going to need to defend yourself maybe a few times in your life if you get unlucky, but you're going to use those leadership
0: life skills every
2: single day. And so right. that's a really important thing to take away.
0: And I think one of the biggest things about that is is if you can achieve let's say let's say your goal is to get black belt okay that i mean that's your goal and you after that you're done okay fine cool that's your goal but all those little belts along the way are individual smaller goals i mean if that's not goal setting in a nutshell i don't know what is and if you can't take that and apply that to everyday life you have a you work for a corporate company or you work for a security company or you work for abc company you have to achieve a certain quota or number or or goal at the end of the week you have to have those little goals in between you have to have the fundamentals and there's going to be ups and downs within that week that's going to throw you off that track but you've got to circle back to get on it those are the goal settings
1: yeah so if i can hop in there i've got a couple of things that that i want to ask but to comment on that um i've been listening this week i was on like the the black belt magazine website and i found out they had a podcast. And I think there are you know six or six or so episodes in, but um, I was listening to one yesterday with Jaco Willing. Jaco it, yeah, yes, and I loved it. it I, like I I was I was just eating it up. Like I loved his approach to you know his conversational style and just how clear and concise he was. But something he said, um, you know, the host always asks, "What does a black belt mean to you?" And uh, Jaco said, "Black belt means you didn't give up." right he's like and he's like that's at the baseline what it means to me and I and I was just thinking about that and you know what you just said there are going to be all of these things that come in and try to throw you off or you know present an opportunity for you to step off the path and there's always a way to out assist you know as you were saying that it's that becoming and this is something I, I do not have a black belt yet and so I am on my way, you know, and, and so to, to hear these, um, words of encouragement, I'm always like, okay, like, you know, it's, it is going to happen, you know, there is going to be that week where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm tired, right, but then I have to say, no, you know, get back on it, get back on it. Um, something,
0: something that might help you, uh, do you know who Charles Swindle is? I do not. Look him up and look up his discussion or poem, if you will, on attitude. And then let me know what you think about it. Because that's one that's one thing that we preface is having a good attitude. It's not just an attitude, but it's specifically a good attitude.
3: Mm.
0: And if you don't have that good attitude, it doesn't matter how clean your uniform is, or if you have your mouthpiece, or you've got your sparring gear, or how much you know, that good attitude is going to take you farther beyond any of the material items Mm. that can be taught. Yes, sir.
1: So the next question I had. And thank you for that. I, I've got it written down I'll take a look. Um, this is transitioning back to an earlier topic, but you were, you were talking about the styles that you teach at your school and how you started off in this Kung Fu style. And then, you know, they have cross-trained in these different styles. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, I've always kind of looked at Kung Fu from afar and thought, wow, ah, you know, it's such, it's such a cool system rooted in such a cool history. And to hear, you know, Kung Fu juxtaposed to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, how have you felt that those two arts complement each other? Um,
0: well, um, for the Kung Fu, a lot of it's stand-up. Brazilian mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu, majority of it is groundwork. And there's, sure. there's three major components to any martial arts. There's your, your forms application, your self-defense, And your theory, Uh, your forms application, it can be transposed into sparring concepts because you get to see how your kata, each individual technique works and why it would work. That can also translate into your self-defense. Sparring is applied concept and then you have the traditional aspect of just the, the sport and just having fun and understanding the basic movement. So there's always three different applications. The jiu-jitsu doesn't always have the three, I would say, but, but it does have sport, and it does have the self-defense aspect of it. The sport is what you see typically, not UFC per se, but the Pan Ams, as you will. Anything is just a grappling tournament. So if somebody gets like a deep half guard, for example, they're, they're, they're underneath the person's leg, They're holding onto their hip real tight, trying to get to their back, uh, screwing themselves underneath the person uh, and and trying to take them out, uh, grappling. It's not something I would do in self-defense because it leaves your face wide open to get pummeled. Mm -hmm. There there, there are gives and takes. But where they complement one another is they fill each other's holes. If I'm on the ground in a particular position to grapple, I should be able to hit you. If I'm standing up, throwing punches and kicks and moving around and I have a lot larger space I could move with, that means I should be able to grab you and manipulate your body. There's only two things. And and, and I hate I I don't really hate to say it this way, but it it makes a lot of people uneasy. There's really only two things that happen in martial arts. You're striking somebody or you're grabbing somebody. That's it. Mm. You wrap around in a bear hug, you've got them in a grab. You headbutt them, it's a strike. You punch, it's a strike. If I grab your lapel, it's a grab. (laughs) That's all you can do. You wrap your leg around somebody to throw them on the ground, it's a grapple. You're striking and you're grabbing. Mm -hmm. Those are the two fundamental principles Uh of, of uh, of the art on that. And it's how you express it. What are your katas doing? Do you have a traditional kata that creates a kanji as you're stepping?
2: What do you think, because um, like, yes, I'm a big believer that every martial art has something unique to teach us. There's like sort of these unique principles that they sort of discovered and built their art around. You know, like I said, with Taekwondo, it's a lot about pivot extension, maintaining a center line, uh, economy of motion. With Kung Fu, I did Kung Fu back in college. I did um, Hung Gar and Long Fist. And... Um, I got to say, like, you know, I've done horseback riding stance, but, like, the Ma Bu in Kung Fu was, like, a different level of extremeness. And yep. it really is physically very challenging. If I had to say the number one game that I took away from Kung Fu was, like, the conditioning training was, like, really intense. You know, like, we used to do, like, two-finger push-ups, one-thumb push-ups, and Agreed. a lot of very challenging positions. Um what, 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 yeah, so what would you say are like the kind of the unique hallmarks of kung fu and, and make, you know, it's not just striking, but it's kung fu striking. And, and how is that different from, you know, boxing or karate or, or something else
0: um, when you start integrating it with the grappling, you know? I think the biggest takeaway that I get from the kung fu is how fluid the art is. Mm. And if you look at Chinese versus Japanese, as far as the systemic idea of it, Mm. you have one strike, one kill. Yeah. Karate, taekwondo, kendo. uh, The first movement, the opponent's down. Yeah. Because it's a even in Kung Fu, you can still use that same concept, but it doesn't have to be a power based concept. It can be a redirection concept to achieve the same goal. So it can be softer. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I have. And, and being able to be soft and redirect, you can always apply that force to it, mm-hmm. but you don't have to rely on it to do so.
3: Yeah,
2: I agree. The thing about Taekwondo 2, which is interesting, is it does come out of karate roots, but I think because Korea is sort of in between China and Japan, they also have a lot of uh, Chinese yes. ideas. And so, if you look at Taekwondo and the way it developed out of Karate, it actually sort of embraced a lot of more of those um, Chinese philosophies. Because, like you know, like you're saying, like Japanese, all about one hit, one kill. That sort of samurai idea, where you just take out your sword, you cut them in half, and you put it back into the sheath and you
0: walk away. It's a battlefield <laughs> tested art. It, 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 is, it is a battlefield tested art. It, you you're not fighting one person. You have multiple people that you're going with. So it's like you have to take the one out, go to the next, go to the next, go to the next, and be the last guy standing. Yeah. Um, And it's not a one-on-one, which is another thing about the Kung Fu that I take away is the way we teach it, yes, we have traditional forms, we have basic techniques, you have partner drills, but the concept that I teach overall is the fact that you don't know how many people are going to be there if you ever have to defend yourself with it. I have a philosophy I live by and I've lived by for for my whole life pretty much is if you're ever in an altercation, you don't know how many friends your opponent has. Mm -hmm. And you don't know how many of your friends are going to stick around to find out.
3: (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Well, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people say
2: you got to know how to grapple. If you want to know real self-defense. And I agree with that. You you need to know that that's very important to fill in your game and round that things out. But I will also say that grappling is not everything because of a couple of things. One, um, 80% 80% of people who get attacked with a knife don't know they're being attacked with a knife. So going in and trying to grapple somebody and knife hunting, if you know anything about knife is very enclosed, oh, yes. a lot of slashing, even more than stabbing. So it's a very dangerous place to be trying to grapple somebody in there. Um, but then the Neither other- way, meant
0: to be felt, not seen. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a lot so of times those, they,
2: uh,
0: Anti-grappling devices. That's what we call them. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. What were we talking about? Um,
0: Getting in uh, close mm-hmm. with the knife. With the, oh, the, oh, oh the, why, the why grappling
2: you, but... is not everything.
0: So um, it is really important, and I
2: think everyone should know it, but it also, you can't really fight two people at the same time. You know, if I'm if I'm wrestling you, and your buddy comes, he just cur- curbs out my face, basically, as I'm trying to wrestle you. So the striking is really, really important for self-defense. I've, I've seen a, a video of a guy, he took out like an entire pl- a police precinct, just like boxing them. I don't know if you've seen this video too, but he took like 35 people, you know, like boxing this guy, knocks this guy out, knocks this guy out, knocks that guy out. And uh, you couldn't do that with grappling. Grappling is really a one-on-one kind of thing. But the, the, the reason why it's so effective is that once you get locked in, lock onto somebody and you take them to the ground, if they don't know what they're doing, everything is counterintuitive and they will just get easily submitted.
0: Uh, yes, I agree. And that's another reason why I study Japanese Jiu Jitsu too, because it doesn't just focus on grappling. The Jiu Jitsu I studied before really getting into Brazilian was uh, Shinshin Jiu Jitsu. It was uh, uh, actually invented, it was a system of martial arts created by Leo D. Wilson. Uh, late leo d wilson uh, he's no longer with us uh several years ago is when he passed but um he took his martial arts knowledge of uh Eagle claw kung fu uh northern northern long fist uh he took judo he took any type of grappling art. his military training and he put it all together to fill in the holes yeah and uh, you could look it up with the Green Mountain Dojo in New Mexico. That's that's where he uh, that's where he studied for the most that's where that was his home is the green the dojo on Green Mountain or Green, green Mountain Dojo. Uh, so you'll you'll be able to check that out and uh, have have a good history lesson on on Leo Wilson. But uh Shinshin Jiu Jitsu takes any stand-up part that you have. Any grappling art that you have, throwing, groundwork, and combines it. Where the strength of one has a weakness, the strength of the other fills in that that hole. And you could call it, if you want, a variation on mixed martial arts. But it's not just a, a mesh where it's just a grayed out color. It's kind of like a rainbow ice cream. You see the red, you see the blue, you see the yellow... And as it tapers off, it fades into the next color. And so you can see the individual arts in between, like, oh, there was some karate there. Oh, he just did some judo. Oh, there's some, there's some grappling. Oh, he's fighting from the ground and now he's getting back up to his feet. So it's something else, or catch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I think that's, I think that's super, super important to, to be able to do that and and smoothly transition between each art.
2: Yeah, it's going to open an entire Pandora's box of things, but I will say laymen don't know really enough about martial arts and how it all works to sometimes parse through the individual techniques to really figure out what works and doesn't work. So what they do is they say, well, what is the, if you took all of the techniques in this art, what would be the most effective martial art? And so they'll say, well striking it's going to be Muay Thai and so they're going to they're going to just take Muay Thai and in, in grappling it's going to be percentage jiu-jitsu and they're just going to basically learn those two arts and combine them and that's what you see with MMA but the thing is that's just because like it's like if you I don't know if you play video games or whatnot pro- probably not but if you did you know that there's like, meta, there's like meta right and like yeah one one build gets just like point better like dps or something and then everyone wants to just do that one one build but it doesn't mean that all the other techniques aren't useful like they're like instead of doing like a thousand five hundred damage does a thousand four hundred damage this technique right next door in the neighboring martial art and um it's just because that one had very was at the top of the leaderboard
0: that everyone wants to do that one one because it has a high success rate Mm -hmm. It has a very high success rate. It's easy to put together and, you know, teach their own, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's what you want to do, go do it. Just don't think that's the only thing that's out there. Be open-minded. That that, that, is the, that is the
2: problem, is that because laymen don't know enough about the martial arts as a whole, they assume, they make a lot of assumptions. And so then, you know, I would say maybe 20 years ago, the whole martial arts landscape was really different, and it was much more crunchy and there was a lot of pockets, interesting pockets. Now it's become much more homogenous. And you you see a lot of young martial artists that really don't understand how we got to where we are right now. And they, they like just started learning Muay Thai and Brazilian Jitsu without learning traditional martial arts before that. So they don't really understand how these things all go together and they make a little The lot dynamics of, of it. Adidas
0: assumptions that aren't really true, um, unfortunately. I, I agree. I agree on that. And uh, to, to your point, I've had a lot of students that come through our school and very similar kind of background. Like, oh, I did a little Muay Thai here. I did some BJJ over here. And then when they start training in the traditional Kung Fu systems or wh- whatever we're teaching at the time, uh, you know, typically, like I said, it's just all the Kung Fu, really. They... Feel different. They're like, wow, this is this is unique. Why? Why does it look like it's not going to work? But how come I feel even more tired? I said because you're working muscles and you're working positions and you're putting your body into augmented states of uh, existence, if you will, that you've never done before. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, form work. Form work. It, it, I love doing forms and kata and everything. And it's a prime example of what people argue that the reason martial arts doesn't work is because it's all forms. Like, no. Forms are an interpretation of techniques. It's a combination of techniques like a puzzle, but you can take any one of those techniques and apply it. Forms are designed to hide the art. Forms are designed to be two-dimensional. You know, you're know, you going to have a string form. That if somebody's pushing out the punch this way or hitting this way or wherever, and you're standing 90 degrees to where the power should be mm. because it's hidden. You're not working just straight up hip rotation. You're working something different Mm -hmm. until you apply it in a technique or you see the self-defense or the sparring application of it. You don't truly understand it. So yeah, you can walk in, put a glove on, put a wrist wrap on and beat the crap out of a bag and wrestle a bag on the floor or work with people. Great, you have a lot of application there. Do you understand the internal components of what you're doing? Do you understand biomechanics? Do you study human anatomy? Do you know which direction muscle structures run to help or hurt? Do you know which way joint rotation needs to go in order to fix it or hurt it? Do you know how much pressure it takes to break a specific bone in the body? No, you don't. You just over you're overzealous and you hurt your partner or you hurt yourself by doing something wrong. Your arm is tucked up this way, and, oh I'm gonna turn into it. No, you're gonna break your shoulder. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um you know you've mentioned the
2: uh, kakata and you know so there's you know obviously a prevailing thought in the martial arts community that's not really um useful but i have a very different opinion on that i mean i've done i've done you know i've had one foot in mma and one foot for traditional martial arts like my whole life i started traditional martial arts when i was five and i got into mixed martial arts when i was 15. and so i have a lot of empathy for traditional martial artists while i know a lot of the more mma techniques And I see a lot of wisdom over here in the traditional martial arts realm that a lot of the mixed martial artists just kind of scoff at and ignore. And it's really to their own detriment. And um, anyway, kata is one of them. And you know, the, the original kata, you know, all martial arts that we think of right now comes out of judo, basically. You know, Jigoro Kano, he, he took the uniforms from the Japanese firefighters. He took the belts from the swim team. He took the Don system from the game of Go and the famous Go announcer, and he kind of put it all together in the way that we think about it now. We've all just been rebranding it and, and rehashing it over the last 100 years. And in his initial uh, curriculum, he had kata. And you know what the kata are? It's the exact same kind of kata that you see if you go into a BJJ school and they start teaching you self defense techniques. Okay, someone grabs you here, you, you break out like this, and you come to the side and do a hip throw, and you take them down and do an arm bar. You're putting different techniques together to create a single self defense. That is the original judo katas, okay? Mm-hmm. And in in a striking art, looks a little bit different. Someone attacks you over here, you block, and then you counter punch, and you go over here and you kick that guy, and it's. In the olden days of like Okinawan Okinawan, Kobudo, but uh, karate, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they would, your master wasn't able to sit there and teach you all the time openly because it was kind of like had to be a secret thing. So he would teach you some techniques in a Pumse or in a Kata if you do Japanese Mm -hmm. martial arts. And he'd say, I want you to go practice this for two months. And then come back, meet me out here in this little grove, you know, two months from now. And then show me your kata and we'll see how much you've improved. And if you have, then I'll teach you the next kata. And actually all those original karate katas were named after their master and their master before. And they were basically the lessons of the masters going back into antiquity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, a kata is just, it is a a routine that you can do on your own to, to improve the skills that are essential at your rank.
0: Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with I agree. That. I agree. And, and I think it's equally important that, for example, when you're an instructor, that you are still practicing those basic kata. Because yeah. if you don't practice the basic kata, it's going to get watered down. You need to be able to go in and demonstrate higher proficiency or the highest proficiency rather at those basic kata than you can your most advanced. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, then you need to go relearn it. You need to go practice it and study it even more and look at the components of why you're doing certain things to, to make it better because that's what your students first learn. Mm-hmm. Our basic basic form number one. <laughs> it's, that, if that's the first form you ever learned, then that's the best form that you should ever
2: know. It's almost like yeah. one of the first lessons that every martial artist needs to learn is that there's so much more depth even to that first kata than you realize. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like they, they, they're they like, yeah, I know. We have a kata called kibonia it, it literally means basic pattern. That's the first thing you learn. It's like low block punch, low block punch, super ridiculously simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I got it. And he's like, no, you don't got it. You don't got, no, it. You don't got <laughs> it. You got the pattern. You got the pattern. Yeah, you might memorize the pattern. Okay, now teach it to me. Why yeah. is my foot this way? Why is my punch this way? How come my wrist is not supposed to be bent? Yeah. I, 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 was, uh, I was actually working forms uh, Thursday mm-hmm. with, our, with our adult class, and I basically tore it apart. Sort up one side down the other. And say, like, "Yeah." now here's the small intricacies of how to make this better. And then when they start doing it, they're like, wow. I'm like, do you feel the difference in your stance? Do you feel the difference in your structure and where your force is going through your punching and through your footwork? And they're like, Yeah. I said, You're this big around. I said, and, and you're holding me back. It's structure. Mm. But they didn't realize it. They're like, wow, this is this is different. Now they They try to match it. And I always tell people, once you feel that point of balance and that structure that you think is almost the absolute best that you can get it, memorize how that feels and try to repeat it over and over and over again. And then make it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, it has a lot of other
2: gains, too, I feel like. For example, you know, it depends on how you do your kata, obviously, because you could have more of a, like, a modern, just, like, Fighting stance kind of kata, which might have different benefits. Like a but, tempo,
0: like a yeah. tempo style.
2: Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're more of a traditional martial artist and you're doing the low stances and things like that, you know, it's going kind to of develop good leg strength, uh, hip uh, extension and flexibility, things like that. But one thing I think that um, is really important that's not really talked about a lot is developing focus and spatial uh like sort of problem solving you know you, i get There's a lot awareness.
0: of awareness yeah
2: yeah i have a we have a little words program starts at three or four depending on their focus and goes up to about six or, or about six and mm-hmm. um a lot of parents kind of scratch their head when i say six because their kids go to school uh, when they're five and and when they're six they're in like what uh kindergarten or, or, first or kindergarten grade, first grade, something grade something like that. first grade right so like well we're not they're not in daycare. They're not in preschool anymore, but (laughs) you're still putting them in the preschooler program. And I didn't start out that way. I ended up doing it over time as I started to realize like kids at that age haven't developed the ability to like figure out left and right and ways to turn. And so uh, even though their attitude is great, they're perfect sit and whatever, and they say, yes, sir, they don't really know how to like, use the right hand in the right position and handle more complicated grappling defenses and and the, and the kata and stuff like that. Agreed. So um, that's one of those benefits though because you see like kids you know I had a I've had a lot of kids over the years who have like um, ADHD and dyslexia and um, and the forms can actually immensely help them in those areas developing patients developing um, visual problem solving.
0: To, to your point on that as well, uh, we had a program as well called Little, the Little Master's Program, which was from four to six, same kind of concept that you had, um, many, many years ago, uh, when we had the instructors to help run it, but, um, we also worked with high-functioning and low-functioning autistic students, and the goal on that is, Yes, they. you would like them to try to do the forms to the best of their ability, but it gave so much of a focus that they could concentrate on and then they're going at the best of their ability and you can see it. Although somebody from the outside go, oh, why are they studying? It's never going to be useful for them. And it, that's where they're wrong. That is what's useful for them right there. Yeah, they might not ever get into a fight to but defend themselves, but now they're focusing on something. Now they can they can perform an art. They can get stronger they can have a sense of accomplishment when they when they finish something that's very very difficult for them to do Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's a basic form or an advanced form i don't care what it is it could just be learning how to walk yeah that's a sense of accomplishment that most people take for granted
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and the outside we're talking about how the outside looking in they, they don't see the intricacies that we do Mm-hmm. That's one of the things they don't see. It's like, oh, okay. Well, what's the goal setting? You're just looking at the tip of the iceberg. You're not looking at everything under the ocean. Yes, absolutely. Titanic didn't sink from the top. And kata is so much like that, isn't it?
2: Like it really it, is. Even, like there's like this surface level understanding that everyone thinks like, yeah, I can go through the motions, but it's like, oh, oh that's the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> baby. Like this is
0: right up here. We were talking. I was talking to our students in our kids class the other day, and I said, even just the introduction where we're breathing in, breathing out, heading in, yeah, day, yeah. ready. He said. Hey, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you're defending a grab coming in. You're poking into the eye. You're pulling an elbow strike. They're like, I didn't know that was there. I'm just standing here doing this with my arms. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's just, the, just the introduction. Was, all right, introduction, boom. Or you have the Chinese, uh, the, the bow, the rake, the back fist recovers. It's all has a, it all has a meaning. This, this or this bow in here strikes. You know, pushes strike. I, Mm-hmm. It's amazing how just the introduction or in the, in the karate and the taekwondo, where they're stepping out with the wide outwards blocks. That's a move. <laughs> you know, there's a hammer fist, there's a low block, there's a lot of different things you can take from that.
2: Well, even just being like present in mind, because like I get a lot of students such like, okay, you know, cheddiya chimbi, and they just kind of like wave their hands. They don't really like get into the moment. Like you've got to be go from the moment you hit that crisp salute you know mentally engaged in your body and your breathing Uh, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: that's awesome very very much
2: we are we've taken a lot of your time I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us
0: definitely definitely a a lot out of this uh Uh, if if you're looking for another book jesse look up the demon sermon and the martial arts oh yeah we have that in the
2: library
0: (laughs) you have that one it's a good book isn't it i love the philosophy behind the book, and my favorite story in it is The Cat and the Rats. That's my favorite story. I don't know if he's ever read it yet, but... I have not, for sure. you re- read I it. read it
2: like 20 years ago, but I, I read so many books, I, I can't remember every little detail on everyone, but... <laughs> Unfortunately, so. I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was an English major, and I read so many books in college, and i got to be honest, like, I don't
0: remember I, like, my, my, mine, was in, mine was a psychology major, so having to do the dissertations and the theses and uh, looking at the analysis of what the person's actually saying and uh, so much information, yeah, <laughs> so much, yeah, I but I apply it every day, so it's great. Um, yeah, this was fun. I would love to have future conversation, even, yes. even off camera. I think it would be, be amazing.
2: I think we have a lot of similar thoughts about the martial arts. So it was a pleasure having you on and talk about some of those things. And, you know, we're always looking for people to talk about different things with us. So we'd love to have you back on in the future. If you had interest, we could talk about a
0: specific topic
2: maybe. Uh, Yeah,
0: let's stay in contact on email. I think that'd be great. And, And even if one day I ever get the honor to meet you in person, I think that would be great over a cup of coffee and a chess game, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> you probably smoked me in chess, but <laughs> I'll try. Um, yeah, but that's good. You play a game of Go? I'm not really good at it. I, Neither I, do I. But I've dabbled in it. <laughs> I've played it before. I, I I don't understand all of the setup for it. Not yet.
2: Yeah, I think it's really let's get to to territorial
0: it's a territorial game
2: yeah but it's incredibly simple but because it's so simple it's incredibly complicated
0: you know yes um let's just kind I of think, cool. i think that's why that's why our basic forms look easy but they're not exactly there you go <laughs> on that note that's a great note to end uh thank you so much uh seafood for
2: coming on excited to uh continue this uh, relationship and maybe have you back on again sometime in the future
0: appreciate you thank you
2: If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person, group, and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at RisingPhoenixTKD.com.